have you guys noticed, just a, just a random question for you, have you ever noticed that there are things that are perfectly acceptable for an infant or a toddler to do, but once you reach a certain age, there comes a point where you probably shouldn't do those things anymore. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the other day, the other day I was at my house and I was watching one of my friend's sons and we're watching Finding Nemo. And all of a sudden he gets up from eating his crackers or his animal crackers or animal cookies on the bean bag and he starts doing one of these. And I'm like, for all of you who can't see me, he starts doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you got to go to the bathroom? No, I'm okay. I'm like, dude, I can pause the movie and you can go. He's like, okay. There comes a point where you probably shouldn't do a potty dance in public, right? Uh, If you're sitting in a restaurant and you really have to go to the bathroom, you don't get up from the booth and go like this, do you? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? There comes time when you shouldn't do some of the things that you once did because all of us at some point in our lives have done a potty dance, right? But there comes a point, you know, like at least 12 when you probably shouldn't do it anymore. So I've got a question for you. Who could tell me, who could tell me one more thing that you should not do? <laughs> Having your parents push you around in a stroller. If you could convince your dad to push you around in a stroller, that'd be pretty crazy. All right, one more. (laughs) Dude, I'll give you, he said sucking on his thumb. Come on. Uh, You should not, if you go to Applebee's, your appetizer should not be sucking on your thumb, right? I'm just saying there there are several things that we once did that we should not do. If someone, let's continue with the Applebee's thing. If you were, you know, walking into Applebee's, you're going in and you're going to get some food and you're hungry. It's after service on Sunday and you're like, man, I should have eaten an hour ago. And there's a big line and you step into Applebee's and you look immediately out in front of you to the left and there's this, 75, 80-year-old man that has ordered spaghetti or some other really messy food, and he's got spaghetti sauce from the tip of his fingers to his elbows. His mouth and face are completely covered. His shirt is drenched in it. Table he has made into an art piece with drawing. You know, you would kind of be like, well, that's awkward, right? And then not not only to, to, to... Stop there, but let's say he has then decided, like many two-year-olds do, which my daughter's done this, and all of us have done it sometime, and it's okay. But this 85-year-old gentleman decides that the bite that is in his mouth, he is now done with, so instead of swallowing it, he does this. And it flops on the floor. That would be considered awkward, right? How about this? Then... You get up and you go because you have to use the restroom and you don't do your potty dance. You just say, hey, I got to use the restroom. May I be excused? You know, your parents let you go. You go in the bathroom and there's someone sitting in the stall next to you saying, all done. (laughs) And then what would be worse is help, right? Come on. There are things 
There are things that we once did that we would now consider completely inappropriate and awkward and probably would want to leave a restaurant uh, if it started happening. Uh, you don't go into Applebee's, you know, after you're done using the restroom, you come out and the waitress is crawling across the floor in front of you with the food on her back. No. These things are just considered inappropriate, right? Why is it? You want to know why it is? Let me, let me tell you. There's an expectation that we put on ourselves and our culture puts on us that we may have done that once, but once we reach like a certain age, we should probably stop doing that. Uh, I don't think any of you came in here wearing diapers because there comes a point, you know, like three, where if you haven't already, you should probably think about working on that, you know, right? There comes a point, there, there comes a, an age, a process that once you hit it, you should stop doing that or change it or grow in it or whatever. This happens lots of times. When we're all born, we're all nice. Uh, Pastor Daniel and Amanda have their little baby. Their little baby pretty much just lays there and fills a diaper and eats. That's all their baby does. That's, that's what it does. But then there's a developmental process that happens for for. For babies, right? So they start that way, then they eventually learn to start making noises that are not crying, and then they'll begin to maybe roll over, and then comes the army crawl slash crawl in some form or fashion, and they start moving around, and then what do they do? One day they sit up around six months old. It's like, that's amazing. And then come around nine, ten months old, they start standing up, and sometime maybe right around a year, give or take a couple months, they start walking, you don't imagine going into your math class this week, walking in, and your teacher's sitting there licking the chalkboard. Do you? I don't think any of us imagine that happening because we put this expectation on our teacher is a certain age, so that teacher should act in a certain way. If you guys are taking notes, which I highly, I highly encourage you to do, bust out your notebook, get your Bible out, and right at the top of your notes, write designed to grow. We're continuing this series called What on Earth Am I Here For? And I want to tell you that one of the reasons that you guys are here on this earth is you are designed to grow. We put expectations on ourselves in, in a couple different ways. But one of them is we put a physical expectation on ourselves that we should grow physically. As in, there should come a time where you start walking you know, and, and if you guys play sports or something, there should come a time when you get faster at your sport or you excel more at your sport. You should grow physically. The culture puts this expectation. I mean, it would be awkward if you walked into a restaurant and some people were doing some of these things, right? It would just be, it would just be considered a little unnormal. So there's this, there's this physical expectation that we should grow. And then another way that we put an expectation on ourselves is we should grow mentally. So a couple ways that we grow are physical and mental. If you're writing down notes, the first point of today's message is expectations. Expectations. When I was younger, you know, like this high, my parents bought a house when I was one year old. So imagine how tall I was at one year. I wasn't standing vertically yet. I was probably more crawling or maybe standing up but not walking. So I was really small. 
Well, my parents decided that they wanted to be able to track mine and my brother's and my sister growth in physical height. So probably like most of you guys, you guys probably have a spot in your house where you frequently go and maybe make a line or you stand up against something and it measures you and tells you, you know, you're five, I'd be 5'11", 5'10 and a half, 5'11", you know, mark that. Uh, So my, my parents decided that they wanted to do this. So some people have really fancy Like, they put this big measuring stick on a wall, and it's wood, and it's really fancy. I've got a picture of a really fancy one that I'll show you. So they'll go up, and they'll mark on this board a really, a line that says, at, you know, one year old, this is how tall Tim was. At two years old, this is, you know, you guys, have you guys done this? A couple of you, a couple of you, okay. Uh, But we weren't quite that advanced in our measuring techniques, so we just took a door frame and drew a line. Uh, kind of like this. I've got a picture for you. Uh, we just took a door frame. Oh, that's a really fancy one. Look at that. See, like, you could, you know, take it with you, move it, paint it, do whatever. Uh, looks cool. The next one is the one of the door frame. This is more like what we did, where we just drew a line. The problem uh, with my growing up is that when I was about 14, my dad decided he didn't want that wall there. The doorway was connected to the wall. Therefore, uh, I don't know how tall it was at any of my ages because it's all gone. Anyways, uh, my parents just had this expectation, hey, you're one when you get to two, or you're two when you get to three, you're going to be a little bit taller, so let's just measure. And you could see like, oh, between between two and three, Tim grew a lot, and then he didn't grow until he was a senior in high school. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. I was sure it's, I'm going through some counseling. No, I'm joking. Uh, We have an expectation on ourselves that we will eventually grow physically in multiple ways. Some of you guys play sports. Some of you guys do different things where you have an expectation that you're going to get faster, you're going to get stronger, you're going to be able to jump higher, you're going to be able to shoot better, you're going to be able to score more goals, you're going to be able to throw better, whatever it is. You're going to be able to, you know, dance that dance that you've never been able to do. You have this expectation that you're going to be able to advance physically. Well, the same's true mentally. How many of you guys have ever taken a test? All of us have taken tests. A test is not something to help you grow mentally. What a test does is a test is like a measuring stick. It measures to make sure that you know the material that you should know so you're ready and prepared to learn the material that you're going to learn. Uh, in college, I had math tests, which I hated because I was in calculus, and they told me I couldn't use a calculator. I'm like, come on. The class is called calculus. I should be able to use a calculator, right? Come on. But they said I couldn't use it, so it was really, it was hard, but the test made sure that I knew, and you would be given ridiculous things in Calc 2 and 3. Anyways, if this happened, you know, could you solve it? And I'm like, it takes Five pages to write out the problem. I'm not going to solve it. But anyways, you would start working on it, and the test was there to check to see if I was growing mentally. And we have this in in lots of different ways. First of all, all of our classes do it, right? They check to see if we're growing mentally. And we have this expectation that as you go, some of you guys are in junior high. Who's in junior high? I said, who's in junior high? Thank you. Okay, Uh, when you're in junior high, there's an expectation that when you start junior high, you'll be about here in your developmental and all your classes. But when you end junior high, you're going to be up here. And then when you end junior high, where do you go? Where are my high schoolers at? 
Okay, thank you. Thank you for the participation. When you start high school, you're about here. Well, when you end high school, you should be about, no, I'm joking. You should be about here, right? There's an expectation. The state actually tells schools this is how much should advance each year, right? So there's this expectation that happens and that is put on us from, our, from, from either the world around us or maybe we put an expectation on ourselves, but there's expectations that we should grow. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, flip open to Romans chapter 8. I've got a couple verses in there that I'm going to want to read. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. We are not only designed to grow physically and mentally, but there's another aspect of what we are that we're designed to grow in. Romans 8, 29. God knew them before he made the world. So he's talking about a group of people. God knew them before he made the world. He, and he chose them to be like his son. Everyone say, like his son. Let me ask you a question. When someone gets saved, are they automatically made like Christ? Kind of, right? There's a, there's a, a renewing that happens inside. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we are a new creation. But there's also a growing process, isn't there? There is a growing process that should happen inside each and every one of us. So let me read that again. It says, God knew them before he made the world, and he chose them to be like his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. We are, we are on this world, and we're designed to grow so that we can become like Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.15 in the message says, God wants us to grow up. I like that. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and tell it in love. And then it says, like Christ in everything. I love that. Grow up. How many of you guys have ever had someone say that? Usually it comes across in kind of a negative way. Grow up. You know? Have you guys ever had that? I've had that. Yeah. Hasn't been since I was three, but I've had it. No, I'm joking. Uh, God has designed us to grow up in Christ. He doesn't want us to be stagnant and still in our relationship with God. He wants us to grow. I wrote down, spiritual growth equals growth in our relationship with Christ. We are designed to grow in our relationship with Christ. And the world puts these expectations on us to grow mentally. And the world puts an expectation on us to grow physically. But no one puts an expectation on us to grow spiritually. Here's the sad truth. You could be sitting in here in one, as, uh, in, in one aspect in where you are in your relationship with God, and we could fast forward 30 years from now, and you could be in the same spiritual position if you're not careful. But God has designed us to grow. We should be able to look in our history seven, eight, nine months ago, a year ago, and we should be able to see where we were with God. And then we should look at ourselves now, and we should be able to say, I have grown. It doesn't have to be a leap and a bound. It could be just a simple step. But we should be able to say, I have grown in my relationship with God in some way, in some way. 
but we are designed to grow spiritually. Do you guys like apples? Who likes apples? Come on. Just they're they're good fruit. Honeycrisp is of the Lord. Just so you know. And of the bank account because it costs so much money. Ridiculous. Anyways, if I took this apple and I buried it in the ground, not too deep, just the right amount, just a little bit in the ground, and I gave it nice fertilizer and nice water, what would happen? Eventually, an apple tree would grow. What if I took this apple, chucked it in the middle of M6? What would happen? <laughs> apple sauce. Here you go. You can have that for that. That was good. Apple sauce would happen. It would be nasty, raunchy apple sauce. If you leave it there long enough, you'll have apple bake, right? If it's summer, not right now. <laughs> right now you have applesauce ice cubes. Uh, here's the thing about an apple. If I put an apple in a healthy environment, what happens? Growth. If I put an apple in a bad environment, what happens? Nothing, right? Health equals growth. In anything, if you put something in a healthy environment, it's going to grow. Something as simple as the stock market can make, if it's a healthy environment, health, not a bad stock, but a good stock. If you put your money in a good stock in a healthy environment, it will grow over time. If I put an apple in the right place, it will grow over time. Any fruit, any seed, if I bury it in the right kind of soil, give it the right stuff that it needs over time, it will eventually grow. Do you guys like goldfish? Not like the cracker goldfish. Not talk about that. Not talk about the cracker goldfish. I mean real goldfish. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I had a lot of goldfish, and I learned something about goldfish. Goldfish are notorious for growing to the size of their environment. If you put a goldfish in a stinky, dirty, small bowl, it's going to stay small. But if you put it in a big environment and you give it what it needs, food, nutrition, water, that kind of stuff, a goldfish will actually grow to the size of the environment that it's in. That's why you can go to John Ball Park Zoo and you can see goldfish that are the size of killer whales. Because those things are huge. But if I took that same goldfish as a baby and I stuck it in a smaller place, it wouldn't grow as big. Because it grows to the size of what it has around us. And once it gets too big to be maintained by the space that it's in to get the proper nutrition and the proper oxygen and all that stuff, it stops growing because it knows that past that's not healthy. Growth is because of health. Health equals growth. The same thing is true about us. If we put ourselves in the right situation, if we put ourselves in the right environment, we're going to grow. If you start eating the right stuff and exercising, you're going to grow physically. If you start getting into books and reading and researching stuff, you're going to grow mentally. If you put yourself in the right environment spiritually, you will grow spiritually. If you put yourself in the right environment inside small groups, Inside church services, if you're worshiping God, you're going to be able to grow in your relationship with Christ. Because we are designed to grow. 
physically, mentally, and spiritually. So the question is, how? How do I grow? So if you're taking notes, point number two is ways I grow. Ways I grow. How do I grow? How do you grow? How do we grow? There's a couple factors that lead into growth. The first one is external factors, and the second one is internal factors. So an external factor is like a person. It's like a teacher, a coach, a pastor, a small group leader, a friend, challenging you to grow in a certain area. That's a person factoring externally your growth. Another way is an object like a book, a website, classroom, something like that, challenging you to grow. The next one is where it gets kind of a little shady with, with external circumstances, and that's events. You can have good events, and you can have bad events, right? How many of you guys have ever had something good happen to you? Like you were born, so you all had that happen. Uh, how many of you guys have ever had something bad happen to you? Yeah, it's real. All of you from today forward are going to have good things happen to you, and all of you are going to have bad things happen to you. All of those happenings to you, all of those are possibilities to grow. Uh, let's say, let's say uh, we're in high school, right? Some of us are in high school, some of us are in junior high. We decide this summer we're going to start a lawn mowing business. Uh, some of you would know what exactly to do to start a lawn mowing business, right? I got to get a lawn mower, I got to get a gas can, and I should probably have a rake. After that, I could probably make do, get some scissors, I don't know. Um, some of you would say a lawn mowing business, and you would have to literally think about what you need. So an, a, a factor of a circumstance like getting a job can cause you to have to develop in certain areas. When I was in high school, how many of you guys are 16? A couple of you 16-year-olds? Yeah. Uh, when I was 16, I got a job at KB Toys, which is a store that was in the mall that's now extinct. It happens. Uh, anyways, I got a job at KB Toys, and I was a salesperson. Like, as in, I would be out on the floor walking around, and I would be selling things. And I also helped a little bit behind the register as a cashier, but mainly, I sold things. And when I started that job, I had no idea what it meant to sell something. So that was an external factor that happened to me that caused me to have to grow in a certain area. Either that or quit my job. I could quit my job, but I, I liked getting paid. Uh, so I could buy ice cream and stuff like that. <laughs> Big things when I was in high school was going out to get hot cocoa and stuff like that. You know, that was, that was awesome. And I needed money. Anyways, so that's an external factor in a good way that can help me to grow. Well, what if I lost my job? That's a bad thing, right? But those can still help us to grow. Those things can still help us to grow as long as we view them right. So everything that happens to you is an opportunity to grow. So that's external factors. Internal factors, something simple. Uh, how many of you guys play a musical instrument? Okay. Anyone play guitar? Oh, a couple of you. Uh, I decided when I was just about that same age, 16, I decided that I wanted to start to learn to play guitar. So this was something inside that birthed out of my inside that I decided that I was going to start taking lessons hanging out with my friend Patrick, who knew a lot about guitar, and you guys probably know him, Patrick Konechny. So I made an internal decision that I was going to then grow in my uh, guitar-playing ability. So that was an internal factor. So you have internal factors that help us to grow, and you have external factors. 
that help us to grow. And you have events that happen. These are huge events that happen, good and bad. If you guys have your Bibles, hopefully you're still open to Romans chapter 8, which I'm not. But I'm going to get back there real quick. Romans chapter 8. I want to I read Romans chapter 8 verse 28, but I want to preface it real quick. Because a lot of people get this kind of messed up. God does not cause bad things to happen, right? God is a good God. Good things come down from heaven. He is a loving God. God does not cause bad things to happen, but God says he can use them for good. Me getting fired from my job would not be good. But I trust my God enough, though it wasn't his plan, he can use it in a good way, right? So let's read Romans 8, 28. It says, we know that everything God works for the good of those who love him. Let's read that again because that was huge. We know that everything God works for the good of those who love him. They are the people he called because that was his plan. When bad things happen, God says he can use it for good. Even though it wasn't his plan in the beginning, he can still use it for good. I was looking up a couple quotes to kind of help get this home. I I like this quote. It says, each problem has in it an opportunity so powerful that it literally dwarfs the problem. That was a good one. Uh, Opportunity, often it comes in the form of misfortune, or temporary defeat. Albert Einstein said this, and he's way smarter than I probably am, and he said this. He said, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. I like those quotes. I like the Bible more, so I'm going to put the Bible in there and say, you want to know what? God doesn't plan things, but in the middle of each problem, if you turn to him, there's an opportunity so powerful that it literally dwarfs the problem. As Albert Einstein said, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. In the middle of difficulty, when God's on your side, lies opportunity. God uses circumstances like troubles, temptations, and trials. He doesn't cause them, but he uses them. Rick Warren said this. He said, God's ultimate goal for us is character development. Character development. Uh, Anyone bring their bottle into church today? Well, wait, not Bible. Did it sound like Bible? I think some people were like, Woo, let, me, let me rephrase that. Anyone bring their bottle into church today? I was like, Woo! I'm leaving. No. Let, let, let's rephrase that again. Anyone bring their bottle into church today? No? Now you guys sipping on a little milk? Between services? Come on. Why? Here's the thing. All of you have drank milk from a bottle before. All of you have done it. You've all had milk in your hand in something. It might not have been pink. It might might have been blue. But this was my daughter's, and she likes the hearts. She doesn't use this anymore. Paul is talking to the church And he references milk. Because what's happened is the church is sitting in a place that he's talking to in Corinthians. 
The church is sitting in a place where their relationship with God has become stagnant, not moving, no growth, no activity. They're not active in their relationship with God. So Paul's talking to him, and he uses some pretty harsh language in 1 Corinthians 3, 2. This is what he says. He says, the teaching I gave you was like milk, not solid food. I read that, and I see not steak, because that's what I guess I want. So he says, the teaching I gave you was like milk, not solid food, because you were not able to take solid food. And even now, you are not ready. See, the church was lazy, was stagnant. But he wanted the church to grow up. That's what he's saying. He's saying grow up. Not physically because you guys are adults. Not, not, not mentally because you know stuff, but spiritually you got to grow up or else you're going to be sipping on a milk bottle for the rest of your life. He's saying grow up. I was thinking they need to be more active. The word active just came into my mind as I was praying about this message. So I looked up synonyms for active, words that mean active. God, Paul wanted them and God wants them to be hardworking, busy, industrious, diligent, tireless, contributing, effective, involved, enthusiastic, committed, devoted, and zealous. See, the problem is they were passive in their relationship. But they needed to be active. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Growth takes two things, purpose and action. There's no one in here that can grow accidentally because you can't do it. Growth takes purpose and action. So there's three things I want to leave you with if you're taking notes. I want to leave you with three types of circumstances that God says he can use, not that he causes them, but he can use. Here's the first one. Unplanned or unintended troubles teach us to trust God. When we're in the middle of storms, we learn to trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean or depend on your own understanding. Second one is through temptation, we learn to obey God. A temptation is when something comes to us and tempts us to do something other than what God has called us to do. When we're in those situations, those circumstances, we learn to obey God. James 1, 13 says, we people are we, when people are tempted, they should not say, God is tempting me. Evil cannot tempt God, and God himself does not tempt anyone. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. The only temptation that has come to you is that which everyone has. But you could trust God who will not permit you to be tempted more than you can stand. Last one is this. Through trespasses or mistakes of others... Through trespasses, we learn to forgive. Even when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, one of the things he says is pray. And when you say, when you pray, say, and then he skips, I'm going to skip down, but it says, forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Here you go. Here's a, here's a quote for you. The difference between failure and success is how you handle the obstacles in between.
We've got to choose to grow. How many of you guys have ever seen a camera that actually uses film? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Actually uses film. You know, you got to like open up the back, stick the roll of film in, flap it closed. Yeah. You want to know the funny thing? When you take a picture of the most beautiful thing, if you take that film out and open it up, it's a negative. Behind every great picture is a negative. When we have negative things happen to our lives, we can let that affect us, or we could say, God, I know you didn't plan this. I know you didn't cause this, but I'm going to allow you to use this to make something beautiful in my life. And I'm sure you could go to every one of us leaders, and we could tell you negative things in our lives that God has turned around and made beautiful, not because God intended them, but he'll use them. So let's bring this all the way back to the beginning. If you would have come in here and you'd have been wearing a diaper or you'd have had food all over you, or you'd have a pacifier in your mouth, or you'd be sitting there going, and if, this sounds funny, but if I, as a friend of yours, didn't challenge you to say, I think you can grow in this, I would do you a disservice. It would be a disservice to you. But as a friend, if I said, hey, I think we can grow. Let's try to grow in this area. When we eat, let's try not to get food everywhere. Let's try to only have it enter our mouth. And here's a thing called a fork, right? If I didn't tell you these things, I would actually be doing you a disservice, allowing you to function in the manner in which you have been previously. But as a friend, I can challenge you to take it to the next step, right? Take it to the next step. The same thing's true in our walks with God. If I let you walk out of this room, not challenging you in some form in this next week to grow in your relationship with God, I've done you a disservice. So I'm going to do exactly what Dan Seaborn did in the worship center last night, and he's probably doing it right now. He asked two questions to everyone in there, and I'm going to ask the same two questions to you. First, where are you at? in your relationship with God? Where are you at? Second question, where should you be in your relationship with God? Because we're designed to grow, and anything you put in a healthy environment will grow. So where are you at? So can I get everyone in here to bow their heads and close their eyes? I want you to take 15 seconds and I want you to answer those two questions. Where are you at in your relationship with God? And where should you be at?
with your head still bowed, I just want you to stay in this moment. Some of you, you're going full steam, chase after God with everything. You're, you're, you're taking the next step, taking the next step, taking the next step. In your relationship with God, you are growing continually. I want to just say, keep going, keep taking that step, keep chasing after Christ. Keep putting him first in your life. Some of you, if you honestly answered that question to yourself, if you were real enough with yourself, you would honestly say, in the past, I had been growing, been growing, but I've taken my eyes off Christ. I've changed my focus. I've done some things, and right now, I'm kind of stagnant. I'm not moving. I'm not growing. I'm not advancing. Some of you, You've kind of started on this relationship with God thing, but you don't know what's going on and and you don't really know how to step or which direction to step and you're kind of stuck. If you're in one of those groups, what I would say is just keep, keep stepping closer. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep worshiping. Keep fellowshipping with other believers. There might be some people in here who you don't even have any idea what it means to be a Christian. You've never given your life to Christ. You may have been sitting in these seats for years, but you've never made that choice to step out and say, Christ, I'm going to follow you with everything you have, with everything I have. And you want to take that first step. That means you want to get saved. You want to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. You want to surrender your life to him. You might not know what that means, but that's okay. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to have a willing heart and be committed to just stepping and following. So what I want to do is I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, if you're that person or one of those if you're, if you're sitting in here and you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ, I just don't know how, I, just, I, I need to surrender my life to him because he's worth everything I have and he gave his life for me and I've been trying it on my own, but I've messed it up and failed. If that's you, when I cut to three, I just want you to raise your hand. If you want to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, one, two, three. Raise up your hands right now if that's you. All right, I'm going to ask everyone in here to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I want to give you honor and glory in everything that I do. I love you, Lord, and thank you for dying for me. In Jesus' name, amen.